This is a Cato Special Podcast. I'm Caleb Brown. That memo, written by House staff, shielded from public scrutiny. It could be a bunch of talking points for defenders of the president, and it might reveal serious problems in how the federal FISA court does its job. Julian Sanchez, a senior fellow at the Cato Institute, comments. Here's what we know now. There is a memo that was written by the staff of Devin Nunez in the House. Um, the, anyone in the U.S. House of Representatives can look at it. The public cannot look at it. But it's not clear what it says, but the thought, the thinking is that it, it's going to vindicate every, everything that Donald Trump has ever said about the uh, dastardly deep state. Right. That's the idea. Uh, and the, you know, the, the specific contents are a bit vague, uh, but uh, the suggestion is that it is supposed to show uh, some kind of uh, misconduct by uh, people at the FBI in uh, not just conducting the investigation generally, but in particular in obtaining uh, FISA warrants against uh, Paul Manafort and in particular uh, Carter Page, a former uh, policy advisor to the Trump campaign. Um, and again, it's, the secondhand report suggests that a lot of the focus here is on the extent to which the now uh, infamous uh, Steele dossier uh, uh, compiled by a former British intelligence officer uh, working for uh, a research firm that had been hired by the Democratic National Committee um, to sort of gather information about, about Trump's ties to Russia. Um, this is the extent to which that dossier may have been used uh, as a, a basis for uh, wiretap order uh, from the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court. So, so let me let me ask related to that. How hard is it to get a FISA warrant generally? Well, it depends. It depends who you ask. Uh, in general, FISA warrant applications are not public. Uh, we've actually had a, a sort of uh, outpouring in recent years of FISA court opinions being released to the public, uh, which is quite. Uh, unusual historically, uh, until I think it was in, until sort of after the Snowden revelations, there had been exactly two uh, FISA court opinions that were ever made public, um, despite the, the body having been created in 1978. Um, uh, so that has been a kind of a novel bit of transparency. But the applications themselves, that is, um, you know, the, the documentation about. Uh, the evidence for targeting specific individuals as agents of a foreign power, that is still uh, essentially never made public. Um, so it's hard to say. We know that in the first essentially two decades of its existence, the FISA court almost never turned down a warrant application. Uh, folks in the intelligence community and uh, the FISA court will tell you that's because, um, in fact, they're, they're very rigorous and they send back uh, applications they see as as too broad or as insufficiently supported all the time, and there's a kind of back and forth process, um, and so uh, the the high rate of approvals uh, does not uh, indicate a lack of rigor, and that in fact uh, the lawyers at DOJ only bring applications once they're fairly confident they have a very strong case. Uh, other folks suspect that uh, maybe that's partly true, uh, but also that in a essentially an ex parte hearing uh, to evaluate evidence where only the government, not only is only the government uh, represented, that's normal for wiretap applications, uh, but a case where the judges evaluating it know um, that 
it's never actually going to see the inside of a, a court. It's never going to result in or be used in an adversarial procedure in 99.9% of cases um, means that they don't actually have that much incentive to uh, kick the tires as hard as perhaps they ought to. They may be too deferential to uh, claims made by the intelligence community. Um, I think probably some of the first is true. I suspect also uh, there is something to the second as well. Uh, we've seen at least in the legal opinions they've issued that the court, uh, let's say, accepts leaps of a reasoning that uh, external legal experts find uh, somewhat contorted. Um, so uh, I would not be shocked if they were similarly uh, deferential um, to the IC when it comes to evaluating evidence, which of course is something that they're uh, less, in a sense, uh, qualified to, to do than they are making conclusions of, of pure law. Uh, Donald Trump says he uh, would consider Having, making this memo available to the public. But I, I think it's worth knowing that the memo is written by House staff. It contains information that refers to other information that the public also doesn't have access to. Right. So I, I want to sort of take this in two parts, right? The first thing to say is um, if it is the case that the FBI was essentially able to use uncorroborated kind of hearsay information as the primary, if not sole basis for convincing the FISA court to uh, authorize wiretaps of a former campaign official in a presidential campaign. Um, that, I think, has implications beyond are there people in the FBI who need to be fired. Um, that would, I think, call into serious question the uh, the efficacy of the FISA court as an institution, uh, right? I mean, if they could be uh, sort of bulldozed this easily uh, in a case that is sort of so obviously kind of high profile um, where their, their uh, scrutiny should have been at the absolute highest level and yet they signed off on that, um, you know, th that, would, that would, I think, make you question, well, then in what case would they reject an improper warrant, uh, warrant application based on thin evidence. Um, so that's one thing. I think the, the, the consequences of this, if that analysis is accurate, are not just there's something wrong at the FBI. It's we need to seriously rethink the FISA court as an institution. That said, I think there are uh, reasons to be skeptical. I think there are a lot of reasons to be skeptical here. Um, the first, as you mentioned, right, is that this is that what we're looking at is first, I think, a, a pretty clearly coordinated media campaign, right? The this memo is written by Nunez's staff, um, and then almost immediately after it becomes shared with other members of the House, you see a bunch of Nunez's allies in the House making the rounds on uh, uh, cable news, using kind of the same vocabulary and language um, to push this sort of uh, effort to get a groundswell of public support behind releasing this memo. Um, so, you know, this is one, this looks like a kind of uh, part of a, a broader kind of media campaign uh, to indirectly discredit the Mueller investigation. Um, second, as you note, right, this is uh, this is essentially a kind of cliff's notes of um, other classified information that it doesn't seem like there's much in the way of, of pressure to release. Um, and the problem here is, you know, press has reported that the Steele dossier was invoked or cited in some way in some of the warrant applications presented to the FISA court. Um, if that dossier was the only basis for the warrant and 
the FBI didn't do anything to independently corroborate its claims, uh, that would certainly be, uh, you know, a, a problem. Uh, we would not expect that that uh, effectively kind of hearsay unconfirmed uh, would be enough to uh, authorize deeming a, 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 an American citizen an agent of a foreign power and, and wiretapping all their communications. Um, on the other hand, if the dossier was invoked because it was one of, you know, a bunch of different sources um, that were all indicating the same fact and it was saying, well, this is one more corroborating piece of information, um, that wouldn't be particularly problematic. Uh, the trouble is – so the, the, the existence of the dossier is now already public. Whatever the other sources are, um, if there are other sources – would remain properly classified. Those are sources and methods. The other sources might be technical accesses. That is the fact that they have technical capability to read particular channels of communication. Uh, and you wouldn't want to disclose that because you would then shut down your access to that channel. Um, and again, you know, even if you don't get too specific, it often it's possible to, to make inferences about what the source had to be. Um, even worse, if we're talking about human assets uh, that might be the sources of, of pieces of, of information, which, uh, you know, frankly, in Putin's Russia, will very likely get those people killed. Um, so uh, the position this sort of puts the FBI in is um, if it were the case that the, site, the dossier was mentioned, but it was one among many sources, um, they're kind of in the position of not actually being able responsibly um, to answer the charge by saying, no, these are what the other sources were. It wasn't just the dossier. Um, so, you know, I think I think the, the perhaps skeptical read on this is, you know, it looks like what they've set up here is a kind of groundswell of popular outcry for this kind of Cliff Notes memo to be released that is a, a one – uh, one staff uh, group's summary of where the evidence leads um, uh, and then so essentially have a kind of tendentious reading of the classified facts come out um, and then put the sort of people on the receiving end of the accusation in the position of, of having to defend themselves without actually being able to invoke uh, the, the other facts that, that would be exculpatory. Um, so... I, I think we, we, you know, we're, we're reasonably clear that this is going to be a that paints an ugly picture uh, for the FBI. Uh, but I'm, I, I suppose I, I, it, has the, it has the air to me of, uh, 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 of a kind of calculated media strategy. Um, I don't know how accurate a picture this is going to paint uh, when it is released. Um, you know, just the other thing worth noting here, I think, is that uh, at least four of the representatives who are making the rounds saying that this memo shows outrageous, worse than Watergate abuse of the FISA process are also people who voted against an amendment uh, uh, sponsored by Justin Amash that would have added a warrant requirement to – uh, Section 702, which was recently reauthorized for another six years, uh, ultimately without much in the way of additional uh, civil liberties safeguards. There was one sort of cosmetic change made, but I don't think anyone thinks that it's going to amount to very much. Uh, and it's a little bit hard to square those two things. It's a little bit hard to understand how someone could think that there's clear evidence that the part of FISA that actually already requires warrants has been abused for political purpose to get to get essentially uh, frivolous wiretaps on political adversaries, and that those same people would say, 
in response to a proposal to add safeguards to another part of the law that doesn't even require judicial warrants would say, no, uh, we think we should trust the FBI and the NSA. We don't think there's any reason for additional civil liberties safeguards. Um, it, it's very hard for me to, to construct a story where someone sincerely believes both of those things. Julian Sanchez is a senior fellow at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast at iTunes and Google Play. And follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast. 